Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's trading season. We got some great advice for you as trade deadlines approach. In addition to that, we'll give you our week eight preview. We'll talk about some of the bigger games this weekend, as well as all the games that have high over-unders and all the fantasy players you should be looking at in those games. All that and more coming right up. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, y'all, welcome in. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Across from me, as always, is Mr. Xavier Hood, the better half of the show. We got a lot to get to you guys today. Um, a relatively, I'd say, weaker schedule in terms of this college football uh, season so far. So we're going to condense the amount of games we're going to talk about tonight, and we're going to focus a little bit on trades. Um, we got the trade deadlines coming up in a lot of leagues, so we want to kind of make some discussion on that. In addition to that, y'all make sure you're following us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of the different platforms we're on. Subscribe on YouTube, leave comments, like, subs- uh, ring that notification bell, all those good stuff. Xavier, how are you doing today? We're doing all right, doing all right. So yeah, we got a lot, we got a lot uh, to get to here. So first, we're going to do a little bit of trade talk and everything. Basically, what we're going to do here is I just want to, as we get into this season where a lot of people are pushing for trades at the last minute, I figured we can kind of cover three different aspects of the trade that I think people just need to remember. Now, the big thing here is I'm not here to tell you like how to read a trade or how to um, maybe like make sure you always get the best deal out of the end of the trade. That is up to you guys at the end of the day because we'll, as we kind of get into some of these three different aspects of a trade, you'll understand where I'm kind of coming from with that. So I got three things up here on, on the screen. And so you see communication, understanding, respect. I'm going to cover each of those three things here real quick. And Xavier, I'll get your thoughts on each one of these aspects as we go through them. So first thing I want to talk about here is communication. Um, communication is key in a trade. And basically you don't want your trade offer to the only way you communicate is basically you set up a trade deal, a trade proposal, send it to the person, see if they accept it or reject it. And that's it. You don't want deals like that. That is a terrible way to go about trading. You have to bring the human element into it and actually talk things out with the person you want to trade. Um, Like basically take some time to find a way to directly talk to that person outside of fan tracks or whatever platform you use. This really just this is really just goes for any fantasy league you're in. But again, I'll talk about it with the frame of CFF here. So outside of fan tracks, so whether that be Twitter DMs, if you have their email somehow, or just heck, if you have their if you have your uh, if you have their phone number, text them, do whatever you can, just talk them out, hash out details in that space. It makes it a lot better communication. Just And as we kind of get into these other two things, it makes kind of hashing out a lot of these finer details of a trade a little bit easier. So Xavier, what are your thoughts on communication here? Yeah, absolutely. I think communication is key in all uh, transactions, whether it comes to fantasy or just in general in life. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think 
you know, having that human element is important in terms of like, you know, you're coming at, not, not to say that you're uh, only there to, uh, like you said, to make that transaction, you want to not to say bugger them up, but to come in and have like a genuine conversation, like, all right, let, let, can we make a deal? Or are you like to gauge the interest of if this person is willing or not? So it's always good to uh, hear them out and uh, hear their full thoughts. And maybe you'll find some things that uh, may shock you about some players that may be uh, available that you didn't think were, you know, out there, you know, that would be normally available if they're having a good season. They're just like, yeah, maybe I'm fine with this position, but I could let this player go if you make the right offer. So those things are good. And I also think that outside opinions are also a necessary, uh, not, not to say necessary, but I think they're um, an added bonus in terms of the communication element of like, you know, asking friends uh, or a league mates uh, their opinions on the trade. And then, you know, you don't always have to take their words all, but it's nice to hear, you know, what their thoughts on it. Like, oh, this seems like a really good trade for both sides. Oh, I, maybe you've uh, undervalued this person, but ultimately it comes down to you. It's your decision to make of uh, whether you think this is in the best interest of your team or not. So, yeah, I think communication definitely is the number one uh, important uh, thing. I will say Xavier kind of touched on, like, asking, like, outside sources, whether that be league makes or um, experts. If you just ask somebody on Twitter, uh, or just DM them on Twitter, asking them like what their thoughts are and everything. Again, communication really comes in the key there when you just explain, you have to explain the rules of the league that you're asking for the trade in. Um, that way people can give you the best opinion that they can give. Because if you just send this person for this person straight up, what do you think? It's like, well, it depends. Is it like a PPR league where wide receivers might be a little bit more valuable? Is it like a, a standard scoring league? So running backs are a little bit more valued or... Maybe it is a running back who gets a lot of receiving work, so maybe they're valuable. So, again, the more details you hash out with these things, the better deal you're going to have at the end of the day, or at least better feedback you're going to get on the deal if you're trying to bring in outside people. Another aspect Xavier kind of touched on is going to lead us straight into the second point. And the word here for this section is just understanding. And really another word here that I can throw in here is just patience. Um, everybody values players, draft picks, um, different things in fantasy differently you can't assume just because you think something is a good deal does not mean the other person you're trying to trade with is going to see it that way and like i said this brings back to communication you have to talk to the person find out what it is they hope to gain out of the trade um and again you again i i said understanding and patience patience of another part of this you're not going to always get a deal right off the bat you're going to probably have to go back and forth a little bit try to figure it out and they're not going to always respond immediately i'm currently waiting on one or two guys who have um, suggested an interest in trade trading with me in a couple of my leagues and they haven't responded to me today but that's fine i'm okay to wait uh, like unless the deadline's coming like up tomorrow and everything but even still like we have you have time uh, rome wasn't built in a day and trades aren't always made in a day either so take your time with it so xavier what are your thoughts on understanding and i guess slash patience yeah uh I, I think it's just coincides with communication of like you know during those interactions you're understanding how uh your uh would-be trade partner uh is valuing his players and uh if you find a way of like all right this this maybe this guy is valued a lot more higher than i thought and maybe you have to give up a little bit more than you're you know initially were ready to do or maybe you can work out a deal and hash it out it's just more about like all right what am i willing to give up and what what am I willing to uh, you know negotiate uh, and come to some for, uh, sort of middle ground? 
mm. of basically like, yeah, what, what's the value here? Let's uh, let me see about coming from his perspective. Maybe he feels like it's being disrespected. Uh, maybe it's like a little fleece uh, type thing. So, I mean, you have those uh, sort of situations where maybe it feels like you're being taken advantage of because ultimately trades, I mean, there's always going to feel like there's somebody that's a winner and a loser, but then there's, you know, rarely you find those guys that are like, hey, maybe we both won this trade. We both needed players of uh, need and we both satisfied them. And I think those are those are very good. And I love those type of trades, but you know, usually you'll most likely you'll see the one or the other of like, oh, I'm trying to take advantage of this person because maybe they, they don't understand what's truly going on. And that's that's why the understanding uh, aspect of it is truly important of like, all right, am I putting my best trade out there that I don't put myself at a disadvantage and I'm not putting uh, sitting at like a disrespectful uh, offer to the uh, uh, your uh, league mate. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that leads perfectly into our third thing here. And this to me is the most important aspect of the trade and that's respect. Um, the mantra of remember the human here applies greatly here. You have to remember when you are talking about trading with somebody else, they're not just a faceless profile picture on their team or whatever it is. You're talking to another human being, another person who is looking to best manage their fantasy roster. You don't need to go into any trades looking to screw somebody or just trying to trick somebody into taking a bad deal or anything. You should go into it knowing that this is another person who is looking to try to benefit their league. Um, another thing here, I, I this is more of a pet peeve of mine, but I'm also gonna just throw this in here. Never go into a trade conversation talking, talking about like, oh, I know what's best for your team, your being the other person in the trade. That is a great way for a trade discussion to get shut down very quickly with a lot of people because like i said that's another human being you're talking to and they're another manager of their own team they know what's best for their team at the end of the day whether it works out or not it's got to be on them at the end of the day you should not be trying to convince them oh this will benefit you this won't sometimes you again you can have your opinion on their team that's fine but at the end of the day it has to be them and you shouldn't be trying to tell them exactly what they need to what you think that they need so other than that um again like i said respect is huge respect is going to if, if two people in a trade feel like that one is respecting the other that is going to be huge in terms of the, in an actual trade getting done in that aspect and then one last thing i do want to kind of throw in here and this is more of just my own personal experience and everything when you first get a trade offer from somebody um, a lot of times the trade is not going to look good and you're going to say, what are you even thinking? And you'll even feel a little bit disrespected sometimes because you think, wow, you must think I'm an idiot for even thinking about trading, taking that trade. I just ask everybody to just take a, take a breath if that ever happens to you and know that sometimes you're dealing with a person who may be newer to CFF, doesn't know exactly the value of different players or, or may have a different view of value in players and stuff like that. And just still open the channel of communication. Again, like we'll go back to the first point. Open the channel, talk to them, let them know you don't think it's a good deal. Let them know what you think is a good deal. Again, opening that communication is huge. These three things, communication, understanding, respect, they all coincide with each other. Like again, it's not easy for me to just break down. Like you'll notice as I'm talking through each of these, each one works into the other. So Xavier, what are your thoughts on the respect angle? Yeah, absolutely. I think ultimately it comes down to like, we, we are people, we are human, we all want to be respected and uh, treated like, you know, fairly and the same as you would respect yourself and uh, others. So I, I think it's definitely important in trades. Um, 
you know, I mean, ultimately you're, you're looking to gain something, but at the same time, you're, you're like, obviously in a trade, it has to be a mutual agreement. So both sides have to have, uh, you know, coming to an uh, agreement. So uh, honestly, it, it definitely uh, it definitely correlates with the other two important uh, aspects of this to where respect uh, man re respect is 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 very crucial and key to where if you really want to get things done and have the conversation to keep on moving to in a good place of like I really want this player and you know the channel communication like doesn't want to be close too quickly or too prematurely then respect can go a long way in terms of how long you can like have those talks and negotiations to where ultimately you could end up, you know, having a higher chance of reaching what you really want. Say if it's a, let's take an example of a, a Jalen Cropper and Josh Downs are having good seasons. If you truly want those wide receivers, then, you know, you're honestly going to have to give something up that maybe you, it may seem like too much, but at the end of the day, if you want it and you, you know, are open and honest about it, then the other party will be, uh, you know, more comfortable with uh, making that deal with you if it feels like it's a fair uh, trade. Like I said, like if if if, you, if somebody comes into a trade and they feel like the other person is trying to screw them, that's a very quick late way for the deal to fall apart. So therefore, respect for each other, mutual respect for each other, I think is important in any trade deal. The last little thing I do want to kind of add in here, this is not like a bullet point or anything. You won't see this on the screen and everything, but it's okay for a trade not to happen. I think that's some, I, I do think that is something that we have to kind of talk about here is that after a while, if things just aren't going the way you want to, and again, going back to understanding, if you just find that the, the two parties involved just value things too differently, you just, sometimes just things don't happen. And that's okay. You have to understand that like, sometimes you just have to respectfully say, I don't think anything's going to happen here. I appreciate you talking to me and let's walk away. Yeah. So with that, we shall respectfully walk away from trade talk. That was kind of fun to dive into something new there. And now we're going to go and move on to our big games of the week. Um, I will be real with y'all. Uh, this schedule is uh, soft, uh, to say kindly. There are zero ranked v. ranked matchups this week. And in terms of the big helmet games of the week, I kind of chose a lot of games where I thought this spread usually was kind of interesting and or I do think it is going to affect things down the line. So with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to our first game of the night. Let me just write something down real quick. All right. So first game we have on board here, Wisconsin number, or not number something, unranked Wisconsin at number 25 Purdue. This is a 3 p.m. Big Ten Network. Xavier, who is favored in this game, do you think? Uh, I mean, uh, for you asking the question, I'm thinking about this logically. You know, if Purdue's coming off that big win against Iowa, but at the same time, I feel like it's going to be shocking. So I'm going to go with Wisconsin, but probably not by much. Wisconsin by three. Yeah. But basically home field advantage here. If they were a neutral field, Vegas would probably probably be putting this at a pick'em game. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting because Purdue coming off a massive win on the road over Iowa against another good defensive team, kind of like Wisconsin is. Uh, Wisconsin's offense is not very good. Um, so do you think the difference here is just a home field advantage or do you think Purdue has enough firepower to uh, get the upset here? Um, 
I, I, I do think that, I mean, it's it's the Big Ten. They're both not that great of Big Ten teams, and you're in the Wisconsin environment. And I think Wisconsin, uh, with not to say their offense, but with what I've seen from Braylon Allen these past couple of weeks, uh, a great freshman uh, for Wisconsin, the future looks like the future lead back for that program. I, I understand why Wisconsin gets the edge. I do love the firepower of uh, David Bell, but I think that's it. I mean, Aiden O'Connell is a great uh, quarterback. I mean, I love Jack Plummer going into the year. He obviously got hurt. Um, so, I mean, it's really nothing. I mean, you lost Sander Horvath as well, too. Your defense is not that outstanding. So, it's. I, I think I'll, I'll – I'll, you know, as much as I've, like, gotten on Wisconsin this entire year, I'll, I'll roll with the Badgers on this one. Okay. I think uh, that running back room with Chesma Lucy and Braylon Allen will be enough. And then what they can do just a little bit defensively and having that home environment can be enough to push them over the edge. So I'm going to take, I'm going to go the opposite way with this. I'm going to take Purdue. And here's why. I just looked it up uh, just to confirm my feelings. And really with Wisconsin, you almost don't have to worry about that passing game at all. So I figured, okay, they're going to be rushing. So what does Purdue's rushing defense looks like? Well, they're 30th in the nation, which, you know, isn't exemplary, but it's also pretty freaking good for 130 teams and, and all that. So I think they're able to slow down Wisconsin just enough. And I think, as we saw with David Bell last week, it doesn't matter how good a defense is. Sometimes you can just pop off in a game like that. And if they're able to get Payne Durham back as that, that second major option, uh, TJ Sheffield really came on strong for Purdue last week against Iowa. So if they're able to get multiple targets down the field, I could see Purdue winning this game, winning relatively handily, in my opinion. And in addition to that, I just looked at the Big Ten West standings. Purdue is currently um, tied for second behind Iowa, but they beat Iowa. So they if once they get another win under their belt in the Big Ten West, they're the, lead, they're the leading team. They got something to play for here. So I think Purdue is your option going for. I think Purdue wins this game. Okay. Yeah, I, I will I will mention, I think, like, with Purdue being the 30th uh, ranked rushing defense, I mean, they have done good against teams with great running backs. I think even though they lost to Notre Dame, um, Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree still had productive days, maybe not Tyree so much. And then mm -hmm. with the loss against Minnesota, um, Trishon Potts still had a, a productive day. And I think with Allen and Malusi, uh, I think with that tandem, We'll, we'll push them over the edge. That's probably my sort of thinking. No, fair enough. All right, so we'll move on to the next one here. We have number eight, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Xavier, I'll ask you again, who's favored in this game? And ha by how much? Uh, I feel like we're just going with the opposite of today. I mean, I, I think personally in my mind, Oklahoma State, they're a little bit fraudulent to me. I don't view them as a top what were they top twelve, top fifteen program. They are the number eight in the AP poll oh, this week. Oh God! So the top ten team. I don't. I don't view them as the. I don't rate them that highly. But I think um, a lot of people still have high hopes for Iowa State and what they have and uh, what uh, Campbell has ahead of them. So I think probably Iowa State is favorite because if it's at Iowa State, then I can understand why Iowa State would be favored. Well, Iowa State is favored by a touchdown in this game. Ooh. So I think Vegas knows something here, and I think they know that OSU last week was kind of like the Iowa wins of recent memory. It's, it's almost a little bit 
um, misleading of a final score because OSU would not get that eight-point margin on Texas if Texas didn't throw an interception there on the final drive of their play. Oklahoma State just runs down there, scores once more. That game was a little bit closer than I think people were giving credit for. Now, again, I gave Oklahoma State all the credit. I thought that was a great win for them. Uh, and if they beat Iowa State on the road this week, I think that would even be another great win for them to notch under their belt. However, I've seen what Iowa State looks like after they come out of the bye. They look like a better team already. And in previous years, like once the bye comes around, Iowa State usually looks like a much better team. They always struggle near the beginning and they get better as the season goes on. So I see the reason why Iowa State is ranked as high as they are. And honestly... Um, they think I think they just got a, a little bit more to work with here. Brees Hall, I still think, is one of the best running backs in the nation. I know a lot of, he's kind of fallen off a lot of people's radars because, God forbid, he didn't put up 30 points a game uh, for fantasy. But even so, he's still one of the best running backs in the nation. He's going to be a top three running back for the NFL draft this upcoming year. I think he'll be the re he'll be the main reason why Iowa State wins this game. I'm going to take Iowa State. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Iowa State as well. Um... Even though I don't trust Purdy that much, I think with what they bring back defensively um, and Oklahoma State being in a lot of close games, uh, uh, you know, Texas was a great win in terms of, uh, I mean, they didn't look great in the first half. And I mean, honestly, I don't think you're going to play teams like Texas where they completely implode uh, for another half. So that's why I have Iowa State in this game as well, too. Yeah, Iowa State's a very disciplined team. They'll 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 limit their turnovers. They'll limit. Well, I I said that until they played Iowa. Um, but even so, I think I think they're a more disciplined team coming out of the bye. I think they'll do well. Yeah. Go ahead and move on to our next game here. This is going to be number ten Oregon at UCLA. Xavier, I'm going to ask you again, who is favored Wait, in this game? Oregon's number ten. Really? Oregon is number ten. Wow. I can't believe they're still that high up there. Okay. Um, it, I'd be shocked if it's still UCLA favored in this game, but it's sounding like it might be. UCLA is favored by two and a half points in this game. Okay. This is a 330 um, game on ABC. So, Xavier, what's your reaction to that? Do you agree with the spread? Do you not? No, what do you not at all. That, that is a surprising spread for, my, uh, for me to hear. Um, UCLA had that hot start for the first what, three or four weeks? Mm -hmm. And after that, nothing, flat. Um, I still love the run game of Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown, but DTR has just fallen off the wagon where he, he can't get anything going in the passing game. And his, his, his legs are, you know, they're, they're still live and, you know, they're still attractive enough to where, like, all right, yeah, you, you still have this weapon, uh, you know, with your mobility, but at the same time, you're not getting anywhere. You're not, make, like, getting down the field, causing first downs touchdowns so it just doesn't seem to bode well especially if um oregon i haven't caught up with them i don't know if Keishon thibodeau is back but they still have a lot of great people on that uh on, uh, on that defense with uh flow and thibodeau and a few other uh, players so i think with oregon you're gonna have to throw the ball and you're not gonna you're, that's not gonna bode well for ucla especially with kyle phillips coming off he just got back to practice i think so he's uh, coming off an injury a little bit so it, it will be interesting to see I mean, I wouldn't be super shocked because it's the Pac-12 and they like to beat up on each other. But I think Oregon is just a, a little, just a little bit better than UCLA. So here's the funny thing: I just looked. At, I, I was looking. I was uh, looking at their passing uh, defense, and Oregon is 110th in the nation. UCLA is 122nd. Yeah, they're both and bad. 
But here's the problem. Neither one of these teams have a quarterback that can pass. No. Uh, Anthony Brown is not going to be that guy. Uh, DTR has been on the massive struggle bus with passing recently. So it's not like even these teams can take advantage of the weakness in the passing game. So if that's the case, you have to come down to rushing. So I'm give me a second here if I look at the rushing totals. Uh, UCLA, ninth in rushing defense in the country. So I think that's a big red five for Oregon right there. And then if we go and find Oregon, where is Oregon at? Good thing for them. They have a very easily recognizable logo. They're 59th in rushing. So I can see a low-scoring game out of these two. I actually can see a very similar result to last week uh, where UCLA beat uh, Washington 24-17. I don't really know who's going to be that 24, who's going to be that 17, but I can see a similar score to that at the end of the day. And... I'm going to roll with the talent. I'm going to go with Oregon. I think they'll have the better guys at the end of the day, like you said, on defense, make some plays, maybe cause a turnover or two, and I think Oregon can win that way. I think this is going to be another very unconvincing win for, for Oregon, and a lot more doubts are going to continue to be raised about them, but I'll take them in the win. Yeah, um, I think all doubts have been uh, cast aside. I think people know what the Pac-12 is um, at this point. They have no shot of making the playoffs. That went away once you lost to what was it, Stanford. So, sorry, Pac-12 and Oregon. Uh, better luck next year, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. So you're going to take Oregon as well, I imagine? Absolutely. Cool beans. All right, so next one. Uh, you already know who's favorite in this one. I know that um do i do you I oh really i'm all right then i'll ask again who is favored in unranked clemson at number 23 pittsburgh i would hope it would be pittsburgh it is pittsburgh they are favored okay, by three thank points god the first time i believe since 2014 that clemson has been not favored in a regular season game the last time that clemson wasn't favored was when Lamar Jackson was playing at Louisville. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, honestly, if Pitt, uh, I think the game plan for Pitt is to honestly just cross that, uh, that probably like a 24-point uh, threshold to beat Clemson, honestly. And if you cross that, you win the game because they can't produce anything on offense. So, <laughs> um with, with Clemson not having Will Shipley, like he is uh, expected to come back to practice, but he's not going to be any uh, game ready anytime soon. Mm. Still Kobe Pace. Um, a lot of those receivers are still not uh, not what we were used to seeing. And DJ, I feel bad for DJ because I think he is an excellent quarterback. I just think he needs the right personnel with him. And not to say that uh, DJ can't elevate his players. It's just like, hey, if you have all wide receivers of the same skill set, and teams figure that out, then there's nothing much you can do without a run game as well, too. So, And the O-line being battered down to essentially nothing. It's just a recipe for disaster. So I think Pitt with Kenny Pickett and, um, you know, in, in the uh, past weeks, there's, uh, Israel, uh, I can't say his last name, I think it's Abinak, uh, who can, I can't try it. Well, just say Izzy. Abinakonda, uh, I believe it is. Abinakonda. Uh, with that, uh, with his uh, production in the past few weeks, I think he's finally coming along. And Jordan Addison looks like a stud, uh, you know, sophomore wide receiver. So I think with the combination of all that going well for Pitt, and it's and it being at home, it's just going to bode well for Pitt. And I think it's going to be great for their program as well too. Yeah, I literally was convinced. Like, as part of me has a gut feeling that Clemson wins this game because why the hell not? Yeah, uh, of course. 
it's like of course of course they win this game like they look beatable for the first time and then they're just going to continue to win these small margin games look completely unconvincing kind of like how georgia was a couple years ago with our offense except clemson's offense is even worse than that was yeah um but like you said there's just too many factors i think just going pittsburgh's way here um their offense is legitimately a great offense in the ACC, their defense can step up when they need to, except when they're playing Western Michigan for some reason. Um, Clemson still, to me, has one of the best defenses in the country. I absolutely can see them holding Pittsburgh under 28 points here. Um, but again, the the question then, then becomes, can Clemson score enough? And just nothing has said to me that they can do that. And then again, playing at Pittsburgh... The home field advantage being on Pittsburgh's side, crowd riling up Clemson's offense a little bit, an offense that's been shown to be prone to mistakes. Just nothing is really showing me to go, to go Clemson's way here, and I, that's why I think Pittsburgh's favored in this game. Uh, the only thing, only thing that could really push me onto Clemson's side is they just straight up out-talent Pittsburgh, and I think Pittsburgh's too good and too disciplined of a team to let that happen. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh. Are you going to take Pittsburgh as well? Yeah. Sounds good. Any other thoughts on this game before we move on? Uh, not at all. Sounds bueno. All right. Final helmet game we have here. Again, these are all... Right, again, we have no additional games of interest because there's not really a ton to talk about on this week's schedule. Uh, so well, we have just helmet games, and then we're going to move on to the over-under games where we'll talk a little bit more about specific players in each of these games. But anyway, here's our last one. We got USC at number 13, Notre Dame. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, Notre Dame by a landslide, in all honesty. Um, <laughs> unless, Jackson, unless Jackson Dart uh, can magically walk well, back Well, then you're going to be surprised that USC is favored in this game. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's going to be like, no, there's no way. I'd be like, I'd, I'd go run to Vegas right now and put my life savings in all on Notre <laughs> Dame to win that game. Anyway. So, yeah, I think USC with the loss of um, – Clay Helton. I mean, not to say that he was a great coach, but with the interim coach, and then you have your players. At this point, I, I don't know what you're fighting for. Um, probably not the greatest morale. I mean, Drake London is going to continue to put up great film for his draft stock. Even I think he's going to have a, a, a decent day. You're going against a good secondary with Notre Dame mm-hmm. that can cause turnovers. But I think you're that talented of a receiver that even if Keaton Slovis doesn't have the greatest day, I think Drake London is still going to be able to get the ball and make him look good at times. But overall, that's not going to win you a football game. You don't have a run game. I do like some of the the young talent that you have with uh, Triggs at um, tight end and then Gary Bryant Jr. Um, trying to think of anybody else. Michael uh, Jackson. Michael Jackson. So we'll, we'll see how he looks so he, in this he game. all over the field. Uh, Taj Washington, if he can show up for maybe USC this week. But, I mean, overall, it's just not going well for USC, especially like um, who they lose to, Oregon State, yeah. ever since that. Ever since that, you've just not been the same. And I think, like, uh, Jackson Dart was probably – I mean, that's something to look forward to next season. We don't have to worry about Slovis anymore unless he decides to come back. Say, for he might season. come back, dude. He's But at the same time, you're going to be fighting for a QB battle that I honestly think you're going to lose. Whoever they hire a head coach, I think they're going to realize, hey, maybe you're not it. I hate to say it, but Dart getting injured right after his first start might have been the best thing for Slovis because that just delayed the inevitable by probably about yeah. until the end of the season. Um, and then Notre Dame side, Michael Myers coming back finally. Um, super happy for him. They said he, uh, Chad, uh, Kelly said he's 100% ready to go. I think this is a perfect game for him to uh, come back out and 
be that lead pass catcher. That's uh, for great Notre news Dame. for our Kings Classic. Yeah, um, Kevin Austin and um, God, I forget the other receiver that was doing well for their Notre Dame. Avery Davis. Before. Avery Davis. They've been holding it down so far, and Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree are going to run all over South, uh, Southern California. So it's going to be just a good day for Notre Dame. I don't know what the spread is, but I'm ex- if I was uh, determining the line, I'd say Notre Dame by two touchdowns. Is Notre Dame by a touchdown? Mm. So Xavier's saying bet on uh, Notre Dame in the points this week. Yeah. And honestly, I don't blame you entirely. Again, you, you basically covered almost all my thoughts in this game. The thing I'm interested in is watching this QB battle. I, battle is a weird way to say this because like, it doesn't feel like that Buckner, Pine, and Cone are really in a battle. It's just more of Brian Kelly just throwing them out there on random drives, just trying to see who has the hot hand every single week. And it really is kind of a frustrating thing from a CFF perspective. I have no idea who's going to start in this game. It's probably going to be Jack Cohn because he yeah, looks like I the think... guy that Brian Kelly trusts the most in kind of high-stress games. This is a rivalry game. Let's not forget this. Um, so I imagine that USC could come out on fire for this game, trying to prove themselves for the next uh, head coach coming in. But even still, I'm with you. I'm probably going to I'm, – I'm rolling with Notre Dame here. Yeah, I think with Notre Dame not having anything to play for, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kelly can just throw out whatever quarterback he wants, knowing that he could still win the game on defense. So I think, I mean, yeah, it's definitely frustrating from the CFF side, but I think this is probably the best situation for him, honestly, you know, in my opinion, of how to handle this QB situation of, like, Pine, Buckner, and uh, Cone, because Cone is just, like, the immediate solution for the season. Like, he's going to take you as far as he's going to take you, and he has. I mean, you weren't able to beat Cincinnati, but look, if you had maybe any type of better quarterback or like if Buckner was, you know, a third-year veteran with a lot more experience and maximize his talent, yeah, you could have won, but he's not there yet. He's a freshman, and Drew Pine for the same thing as him. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity for these quarterbacks to get reps uh, against these teams, knowing that they, they'll probably have enough talent in the run game to just run all over them and win. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to bode well for the future of, like, next year. If Tyler Buckner gets that job, then I think he's going to be one of the, the hot commodities for CFF. I have to say, like, top 12 or 15, but he could have that type of potential with uh, what they are building around him. Absolutely. Like you said, just a young talent there. I think it'll be great for him. So those are our big matchups of the week. Now we're going to move on to our high over-under games. Uh, I actually remember to take them off this week, so we don't have to worry about that this time. Um, so... We got nine of these games to get through, so we're going to go through these probably as quickly as we can. Um, So the first one we got up for you guys today, Tulane at number 21 SMU. This is the Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. ESPN game. The over-under on this game is 70. So Xavier, what players are you watching out for in this game, and do you have a sleeper or two on on either team that you think could pop off in this game if people are looking for somebody to stream for this week? Yeah, uh, basically any time, anybody on the SMU offense uh, from Tanner Mordecai to Ulysses Bentley, even though he, had, he didn't have a great game against Army, I, I'm still confused about that one, of like what his job, his role was for that game. He only had like two carries for negative two yards or something like that, and it was really mm-hmm. weird. Um, but yeah, any receiver, I mean, I'm still excited for Danny Gray. Reggie Robertson looks like he's coming back in form. Uh, Rashi Rice is reliable with the targets that he gets and the possibility of a touchdown. Uh, Grant Calcaterra, great tight end. Um, but if I had to pick a sleeper, um, 
Probably Tulane's tight end. I forgot his name. We mentioned him in the recap. Oh, he's so, he, Xavier loves him so much he can't remember his name. I can't. I just no. know he's Tyra a tight James. end for Tulane. Tyra, Tyra James. James. Uh, I think SMU probably doesn't have one of the best. I think they're very low in pass defense, if I'm not mistaken. So Michael Pratt and Tyreek James could have, you know, maybe a touchdown in there or two. Uh, you are correct. James. They are above 100, I believe, in passing defense. Okay. Or I should know they're so, 96, 96. So it's not the greatest, but I, I think that provides opportunity for Tulane to maybe throw the ball a little bit. Maybe Michael Pratt has to, you know, throw more than 20 passes a game. So maybe it, it may be an interesting game to see. Yeah, no, I agree with you I, 100%. Like everybody on SMU, I would be starting. Uh, the sleeper I'm going to throw out here is another player on SMU. A lot of people talk about Ulysses Bentley, but what really people haven't really been talking about is that running back Trey Siggers transferred from North Texas has been getting close to, if not just as many carries as him. Now he doesn't have the efficiency that Bentley does, but that almost won't matter when they're going up against Tulane, who's 110th against the rush. So I think you could see Trey Siggers grab a touchdown or two in this game and have a pretty good day on the ground. So he's going to be my sleeper for this game. Okay. So we'll move on to our next game. We got... Louisiana at Arkansas State. This, again, a Thursday night game, uh, 7.30 p.m. This is on ESPNU, and the over-under on this game is 68. So, uh, Xavier, you went first last time. I'll go first this time. Um, so, Arkansas State has one of the worst defenses in the country, if not the worst defense in the country. Uh, Louisiana is about to score a ton of points on them. And so, the question then remains, who do you start? Well... Obviously, you could always start at the quarterback, Levi Lewis, dual threat guy, limited on his passing abilities. He is uh, not known to throw more than 25 passes in a game ever, really. But even still, they let him loose on the ground. He can absolutely get you some value in this game. Um, obviously, really, any of the three running backs that uh, Louisiana has been running with, um, uh, Chris Smith has really come on over the past couple of weeks, finally. Looks like he might be finally getting that lead rollback, but even still, Montreal Johnson, um, Amani Bailey, I think all three of those guys are going to be worth their points this week, um, or at least taking the shot on them if you're really struggling at those positions. So pick them up and start them this week if you need to. Um, and then on the Arkansas State side, you always have that trio of wide receivers, or really a quartet of wide receivers they got going on there just becomes a question of who gets the targets every week Corey Rucker's probably your best bet but he's probably owned on most leagues so you got to be looking for guys like Jeff Foreman to Valence Hunt and Dahu Green uh, I believe Dahu Green might be injured I can't remember off the top of my head but even still uh, definitely Jeff Foreman and to Valence Hunt if you're again struggling at receiver just looking for some high upside guys I think those are the guys to play so Xavier what are you thinking in this game and do you have a sleeper or two that you like I'll say this. Uh, if you have a league where turnovers do not count, um, Lane Hatcher is getting the start for this game. I think that bodes well for him because uh, James Blackman is coming off of a shoulder injury and he's going to be out for a couple more weeks. So I think uh, Arkansas State's passing game is going to look a lot better the uh, foreseeable future until Blackman comes back and then we're just back down in the pits. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I know for a lot of Corey Rucker owners, we've been a little bit hesitant. I know this past game against uh, Georgia Southern, he kind of went off, uh, you know, doing th uh, things a little bit better with James Blackman. But it was against Georgia Southern. They had, like, one of the worst, if not the worst, passing uh, defense in the country. They but did. I, I do like Arkansas State, um, you know, with Lane Hatcher, and I think it'll bode well for – maybe they'll be able to put up points. I don't think they're going to win, 
Um, and that with them having one of the worst passing defense, I think this is a perfect game for Kyron Lacey. I know a lot of people have given up on him and Levi Lewis in that connection, but I think he's good for one game. I think last I think last week he had a, a touchdown. It was one. It was only for one reception. It was for a long one too. So I think going against a terrible passing defense, I think he's going to have opportunities to score. Have you know maybe a few receptions where he gets open. Yeah, so good, a couple of good sleepers there from Xavier Lane Hatcher. A lot of people kind of forgetting about him. So don't forget to pick him up if you need a streamer at QB this week. And then Kyron Lacey, one of the guys I was high on coming into this year, I have since dropped him in my dynasty league because um, it just doesn't look like that passing game is ever really going to take off. But regardless, you, Xavier is probably right. This might be the one week where he can really go off. So we'll go ahead and move on to our third game here. Memphis at UCF this is the Friday 7 p.m. game on ESPN2. Over-under on this game, 65. Xavier, who are you liking in this game, and who, who, what's one or two sleepers that you like? Uh, I'm liking almost the entire Memphis offense, uh, probably minus one receiver. I like Sean Dykes. I like uh, Calvin Austin. I like Javon Ivory. Um, I like Seth Hennigan. I think those are two uh, valuable – I mean, those are like three or four valuable guys that you should start. I mean, it is against UCF and Gus Malzahn's defense, but they haven't looked good in the past few weeks ever since Dylan Gabriel because they're out on the field a lot more. Mm-hmm. Mikey King can't uh, – is just turning it over on downs a lot, and are they're getting a lot of three and outs, so it's just not – it's not clicking, and that defense is getting tired. So when once Memphis leans them down, then I think Memphis uh, will be able to, you know, take off for some big gains and some uh, a lot of points. Now on the UCF side, uh, with Isaiah Bowser coming back from injury, um, I guess that would be my sleeper. If he's, I mean, he's getting a lot more carries, and I mean, if he's getting back to fully healthy, then why not take a shot on him? If he can produce what he was producing before he got hurt, I think it was like before the Northwestern game or anything like that. I think that's mm-hmm. what they played. So then, I think he should bode well, especially back uh, now that you're back within conference. That makes sense. And again, if you're talking, if the situation plays out like you were kind of describing there, where UCF's defense does get tired by the end of the game, and Memphis is just looking to run clock, win the game, big benefactor of that is going to be Brandon Thomas, and really whoever oh, that number two, whoever really that number two running back for Memphis is going to be, I could see them having a pretty big game here if that if what Xavier describes does play out. On the UCF side, uh, really the sleeper I kind of want to mention here is. Um, well, Brian O'Keefe, one, is getting a lot of the volume. Problem is he's not getting the touchdowns that you need. But even still, I think Brian O'Keefe is available in a lot of leagues. Actually, let me double-check that real quick. I'm curious off the top of my head. I think he is. I think he's under uh, 40% by our about, standards. Um, so um, Brian O'Keefe, I think, is a good play here. And then I'm also going to throw in Brandon Johnson, who doesn't really get the volume, but he's a massive red zone target for UCF. He has been all year. He's got tons of touchdowns. So I think he might be a sleeper play for you as well. So we'll go ahead and move on to our fourth over-under game. And really, we're going to be talking about one team here, one team only, because the spread is mostly based on the fact that one team, one of these teams is going to score a lot of points. Uh, that's number three, Oklahoma at Kansas. This is a noon game on ESPN on Saturday. This is the over-under on this game, 67 and a half. So again, really, we're going to be talking about the Oklahoma guys. Um, Caleb Williams, after what he did last week, there's... Um, if you don't start him, please seek psychiatric help. Um, either that or you must have the most stacked QB room I've ever seen in my entire life. And even still, he still might be one of the top two plays this week. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, Caleb Williams, obviously. Kennedy Brooks, I really think has solidified that number one role for Oklahoma. So I expect him to have a big game. Really comes down to now, which wide receiver do you throw your dart on? And I really think there's good options. We saw that there was some repertoire with Jaden Hasselwood last week. He's available in a lot of leagues. So he might be a guy that you might be looking to pick up if he doesn't get picked up on waivers this week. Um, Marvin Mims, we've seen uh, him have some big games with Caleb Williams. Uh, Mike Woods, maybe not as much, but you know, maybe it's his turn this week. So those are my guys I'm kind of looking for. Xavier, you got anybody else you're looking at in this game? Yeah, uh, Austin Stogner, tight end, um, and Jerry and Hall, uh, tight end, wide receiver, running back, whatever. Uh, Lincoln Riley wants to have him play. Uh, I think he always uh, he finds should, a way. He should have a um, designation, like a position designation titled Touchdown Vulture. Yeah, that's what he, that's, that's, that awesome. is, that's his only job. That's what I was going to get to. I was like, yeah, uh, whatever Lincoln Riley wants him to do, yeah, he's just, like, going to do it and get a touchdown with it. Uh, he's like, yeah, I just need you to go out there and make plays um, and get touchdowns while you're doing it. So, basically, that's uh, who I'm – I'm not saying a big game, but if you just need a reliable floor of, like, are you going to get a touchdown? I, I put my money on Jerry and Hall. I, I think, you know, you brought Mike Woods. I think he he had a good day against um, TCU. He dropped a touchdown pass that I thought Kayla Williams threw a perfect ball to. I think they're going to, uh, you know, with more and more time and more practice, I think they're going to get that connection because it was a legitimately good deep ball. And I think it was just, you know, maybe he just mistimed it and didn't think the ball was going to get there. Maybe he's used to Spencer Rattler, like, not being that good to throw it that far. <laughs> so uh, Spencer I think Rattler Woods, is so bad that he has screwed up his receivers. Is, is basically, the timing is off. Uh, everything is not, like, they're so surprised that they have to catch things in stride, even though Kelly Williams has some underthrown balls, but the receivers are still able to catch it. So, yeah, all the receivers, the tight ends, anybody for Oklahoma should be fine. Um, on the Kansas side, I can't think of anybody. I don't think uh, they're going to be able to put up, uh, honestly, much of anything. I mean, I yeah, guess my you could boy say Jason that. Bean, um, he started off pretty well through the first four games, and uh, he's had single-digit performances the last two weeks against pretty bad competition. So it looks like Kansas is just back to being Kansas. Yeah, I, I'd only say Devin Neal for the volume that he might get because of oh, Kansas being bad everywhere else. But even still, I don't think he's going to get that much. I, I'd be I'd be shocked if he get 20-plus carries. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, if the game strip allows it, then this probably be the game because you're going to be down a lot. Uh, he has averaged 15, 15, 17 carries in the last couple of games. So if so, he yeah, breaks 20, that'll be, the, be a first. Yeah, I think this is going to be the twenty bomb game where he breaks it, but I don't think he's going to get many yards out of it. So probably, probably not. I'd say. Yeah. Um. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to our fifth game here for the over unders. We got Kent State at Ohio. This is a one p.m. ESPN Plus game. The over under on this game is sixty four and a half. I just kind of threw it in here because it, it was close enough. Like it's right there. You just wanted to round up. I I wanted to round up a little bit. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but regardless, Kent State uh, at Ohio. Uh, obviously, the big things are pointing towards the Kent State players. Whoa, 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 slow down now. Slow down now. I think it was my turn to talk about one side of the teams. You're you're right, Xavier. I, I please forgive me. Please forgive me. Yeah. No. You can you can talk Anyways, about the Kent State players if you want. We will. We will. We will absolutely dominate this segment because, yeah, buy any Kent State player you can. Dustin Crumb, absolutely don't. Like, it's, it should not be a decision unless you have Bailey Zapp and Caleb Williams as your starting quarterbacks. Um, I don't even think if Western Kentucky is playing. I don't know. Actually, they are because they're going to be our ga uh, a game later on. But, um, yeah, Dustin Crumb, Marquez Cooper, um, uh, Dante Cephas. Um, I don't know if I, 
forgetting it. Who's the wide receiver too? Uh, don't uh, it probably either Nakeem Johnson or uh, it's not Deshaun Polk, but probably Nakeem okay. Johnson off the top of my head. Nakeem Johnson. Might as well throw him in there too. So like, it, it's just going to be a great day for Kent State and that offense, especially coming off of a tough loss to Western Michigan. They might take out their frustrations because um, they, they obviously want to get to that MAC championship and probably have a rematch with Western Michigan. So Ohio is a bad team. They, oh, absolutely. They went up like, let's see, yeah, they went 21 nothing in the first quarter against Buffalo last week. Mm-hmm. The final score of that game was 27-26, and Ohio mm-hmm. lost. They scored five points in the remaining three quarters, and Buffalo just kind of clawed their way back. Um, so, yeah, Kent State's probably going to win this game and win this game big. Uh, throw in, I, did you mention Marquez Cooper? Cause, I did. Uh, the game script's going to favor him, unlike last week. Last week, he fell off because unfortunately uh, the game script got away from him. They were not going to run the ball when they were down that many points to Western Michigan. But regardless, he's going to have a better day this week. I'm going to throw actually a sleeper on the Ohio side for this game because Kent State does have a horrific defense. So you're going to see some guys have better games than they typically do. Um, And believe it or not, it's not Tuggle. I do like Tuggle. I think he'll have a good game in this game. But here's the The thing. It's Amari Rodgers. This man had 22 carries last week as a QB. More than double the nearest running back. They are going to be relying on him so much in this game. And again, he's not going to pass anything, but if he takes off and runs, that's going to be awesome. Last week, 22 carries, 183 yards, and two touchdowns. That is the way to go with Amari Rodgers. So if you're looking for some uh, just a sleeper guy who's going up against a bad defense this week, I think Amari Rodgers is absolutely a play. I will warn people that he wasn't the starting quarterback going in. I don't know what's going on with the Oroke. Uh, I think that's his name, Oroke. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Nathan Rook. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I haven't. It's hard Rutgers. to get news about the Mac about what's going on with the players because I don't know if he's injured, if he got benched, or what's going on. So I'll keep, I'll try to keep an eye on it to see because Amari Rogers was not starting and it was kind of Rook's team to uh, lead. So we'll see. But I do like Amari Rogers for fantasy of uh, his uh, rushing ability. That is fair. That's a fair warning. We'll go ahead and move on to our sixth game here. And I will go first this time, and I'm not going to forget. Uh, I would have put this game in our helmet games because this is a pretty big game, in my opinion. Uh, LSU at number 12, Old Miss, the 330 CBS game. Over-under on this game, 70-freaking-6. Um, the problem with this is that Matt Corral is looking like he is doubtful for this week. So if you haven't gotten that under yet, I'd recommend it. Um, I don't think this game hits anywhere near 76. Um, here's the thing. You have an LSU team that completely rolled Florida last week. Uh, you got an Ole Miss team that is now likely missing their starting quarterback. I don't know how this game's going to go, if I'm being real. Luke Altmeyer was the one who came in and took snaps for Ole Miss when Matt Corral was knocked out of the Tennessee game last week. We didn't get to see him really do anything, but... We have no idea how he'll perform in a game, especially in an SEC game against LSU, which, for all their faults, still has a lot of talent on that defense. They do uh, have even, one more quarterback. Well, John Rice Plumley, I agree, but he, <laughs> but here's the problem: he didn't come in for um, yeah. He didn't come in for Matt Corral last week. It looks like he's moved full time over to wide receiver, which is fine. Um, but man, if John Rice Plumley is playing this week, I would have loved that. Um, because that would that would help my SEC uh, best ball league a lot. Because I, I drafted him in, in that, hoping that maybe he would take over at one point if possible. Um, but even still, 
Uh, players to play in this game, it's it's hard because you want to say Tyrion Davis Price because he of his great I will um his because of his week last week and he's going up against a bad defense again, um but also he's had three maybe four hundred yard rushing games in his career at LSU so it's not exactly something we should expect week in and week out. Um, Max Johnson, if these repertoire with these younger receivers like Brian Thompson. Dre Jenkins and um, who's the other one? Uh, Jack Besh. Um, if, if these repertoire keeps building with these young receivers, he could have a great day. Um, and any of those wide receivers, I think, um, if you want to take a flyer on any of, the, any of those guys, I think those are fine. Um, on the Ole Miss side of things, again, if Matt Corral's not there, I think you suddenly see a massive shift towards Jerry and Ely, Snoop Connor, and the running game, or uh, Henry Parrish as well. Uh, the running game for Ole Miss, and I think you'll see a better day from them, unless Luke Altmaier and Lane, and Lane Kiffin really is a magician, just turns this freshman quarterback into basically just mini Matt Corral. So I think it'll be interesting. Uh, Zayra, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think with Matt Corral being out, that definitely uh, takes a nick at this game. Um, I, I Actually, I'm really uh, worrying about if the O-line is going to be healthy. They missed both their tackles last game, if I'm not mistaken. I remember I was watching the Tennessee game, and I was like, man, missing both of your tackles, that's kind of rough for QB. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's not going to be a mobile QB uh, like Matt Corral is, has been so far this season, uh, I, I'd hope that it would build well for them to get healthier, have somebody as a better replacement. Um like you said, I, I trust in the run game for Ole Miss. I, I do like those three players. I think, it, like like we saw that one game where it was like four, uh, Matt Corral included, almost had like over 100 yards and the other three did. Mm-hmm. So I think they can absolutely rely on the run game. It's just that, you know, if LSU does have the game script to go against it, oh, you're not playing Matt Corral. And, you know, Braylon Sanders is kind of hurt as well too. And all you have is Dontario Drummond and um, honestly, Jacor Pearson and somebody else, then it's not going to look too Jackson. well. Jackson. Okay. So, I mean, LSU, it's it's going to be weird because I, I really think Ole Miss is a good team. Uh, I think a lot of people do as well, but I wouldn't be shocked and I wouldn't want to, like, uh, tear down Ole Miss for losing to LSU, even though LSU has lost a lot in that secondary. And I would hope the quarterback would test that. And also, like, what they don't have on offense as well, too, with Keishon Butte and the lack of run game. Now, I will say, I do believe in Tyrion Davis-Price for this week. I think with the volume that he's getting and two oh, back to back. If he gets should... another 36 carries in a game, like it doesn't even I matter. Mean, even even, even the well. week before, he had like 20 plus carries and still had a good 100 yard game. So I think, and that's honestly, that's the formula for them. Mm-hmm. So I think that just bodes well to where I don't care like how talented or how lack, like the lack of talent that he does have. If you're getting those carries, you're going to get yards. So, and that's going to add up eventually. So I, I'd, I'd put him in. Uh, maybe I'd, I'd be a little bit hesitant about the receivers. Uh, maybe Jare Jenkins is the only one I would really take a shot on because he's been there for a while. Uh, the younger ones, you have to see. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to our seventh over-under game here. Tennessee at number four, Alabama, 7 p.m. ESPN game. Over-under of 67 and a half on this one. Xavier, I believe it is your turn to start. So I think yeah. you, you'll um, get the easy one here. Yeah, uh, start everybody for Alabama. Um, they are on a warpath where Saban is hot, hopping mad. Um, so, yeah, Bryce Young looked great against Mississippi State. I think um, Mississippi State had a terrible pass defense. And even in the um, 
even in the rush where they've been good, I think, you know, the talent just came over them where Brian Robinson has probably been the best, one of the best backs they've seen so far this year and a D-line can't compete. So mm -hmm. Brian Robinson Jr. as well too. Uh, John Mechie, Jamison Williams, um, Cameron Latu, Jaleel Billingsley. Uh, I'd be a little bit more hesitant on those uh, younger receivers like maybe a JoJo Earl or especially with the Jai Hall. I doubt he even plays after Saban saw that tweet. Um, oh, yeah. Trying to think of anybody else. Yeah, honestly, yeah, those those players are just named. And on the Tennessee side, Hendon Hooker. Uh, I mean, it's I'm glad to see that he, it's uh, his injury is not like a, a season-ending injury, but I don't think he's going to play this game. And also with um, who else is injured? Was it Jabari Small or Ty and Evans? One Ty and Evans injured. is currently injured. So Ty and Evans. I mean, they're, he was, they're dealing he with was, He was warming up last game, and then uh, at the end of warmups, he went back in, changed into street yeah. clothes. So it sounds like he's close to being there. He just wasn't ready for Ole Miss. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't want you going against that Alabama front of Will Anderson and the rest of those like guys. So it's it's definitely going to be a tough guy. It's going to be a tough choice if if I would start anybody on that Tennessee offense, especially if if Hennon Hooker's not playing, then I'm not starting anybody on that Tennessee offense. I, I just I yeah, don't think I, I would even I, start the running back. I went through this earlier with one of my leagues because I had both Jambari Small and Tyon Evans just as an insurance policy. And I was, like, thinking about my waivers and everything. And I just, at the end of it, I was just like, you know what? Like, they got a rough schedule coming up. I'm just going to drop them. And yeah. I did. And so that really, to me, that leaves, like you said, if Hennon Hooker's not starting, I'm not starting those wide receivers. Because uh, yeah. uh, Joe Milton's about to throw the ball over them mountains. Um, so and I don't want my running backs getting beat up to hell by the Alabama D-line in front where Saban's going to be screaming at them, like, to do worse. Exactly. So I again, I like to say that there's like some Tennessee sleeper that I'm like looking at here. Um, hold on, there's a bug on my webcam. I just flip them off. Um, but there really isn't. And if I had to pick a sleeper on Bama, Trayshawn Holden is a name that I think people need to keep an eye on for the next uh, week or two because Bama needed a receiver or two on the younger side to kind of step up, join up with Jamison Williams and John Mechie. And I think Treshawn Holden might be that surprise candidate. So I'm not saying start him, but definitely keep him on your watch list this week. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on to the eighth game here. This is Western Kentucky at Florida International, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus. Over under this, on this game, 77. So the floor is yours. Lore <laughs> is mine, and you know, I'll, ta I'll take both of these guys. I mean, Western Kentucky, freaking start everyone. Um, these these teams are, like, there's a reason why this game's uh, over under 70. These are both pretty good offenses going up against terrible defenses. Western Kentucky can basically score on anybody in the country, and you know for a fact that Josh, uh, Jared Stearns is going to be getting over 100 yards and at least a touchdown in this game. Bailey Zapp's probably going to throw for four or five touchdowns. Um, probably throw in Malachi Corley, throw in um, Mitchell Tinsley, all these guys, start them all. Uh, on the Florida international side, uh, Max Bortenschlager, one of the best QB names in the country. Uh, absolutely start him because Western Kentucky's passing defense is atrocious. And he's got some good uh, options there. He's got Bryce Singleton. He's also got uh, Tyrese Chambers, one of our uh, current favorite wide receivers. They should have a big game here. And then obviously uh, Devontae Price, their, start, their stud running back, uh, he should absolutely be getting plenty of work in this game as well. There's really not much sleepers here for me to really point out. It's just start your studs. So, Xavier, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I think start your studs at this point, yeah. All right. So we'll go ahead and move on to our ninth and final over-under game of the week, and that is going to be Georgia Tech at Virginia. This is a 7.30 ACC Network game. The over-under on this game, 65.5. So, Xavier, the floor is yours on this one. Who are you starting? Yeah. Who are your sleepers in this game? Uh, Brandon Armstrong, obviously, for Virginia. Uh, I love Jelani Woods. Uh, I definitely needed a tight end this past week, and I picked him up off the waiver wire, and I feel like he's a guaranteed touchdown machine when he's back healthy. And I'm not saying he's going to get a lot of yards, but I needed a safe floor, and Jelani Woods provided that. I think he's a good passing option. Dotavius Wicks as well, too. Uh, Billy Kemp Jr., uh, the fourth. Um, well, God, why am I forgetting the other receiver? Uh, Rashawn Henry uh, could have a good game this game, and I feel like I'm forgetting one more name. Hmm. You said Billy Kemp. You said Wicks. You said um, Rashawn Henry. Um, Keontae Thompson, if he comes back from injury. Okay. Yeah, and then for the Georgia Tech side, um, Virginia's not that great defensively, so maybe this is the Jameer Gibbs game that everybody's been expecting. I think he's still a great running back the NFL in the future but it's just that he's on a Jordan Tech team that's probably not built for him. Uh, mm -hmm. Jeff Sims, absolutely. So those are my two guys. I'd probably start for Georgia Tech. And that's it. Uh, I'm going to throw in a sleeper here again. Georgia Tech, it looks like Kyrick McGowan really has kind of solidified himself as a uh, pretty good receiver for them going forward. So if you're looking for a guy at receiver, Virginia's passing defense is one of the worst in the country. So I can absolutely see him going off in this game. So there's your sleeper right there. All right, I think that brings us to the end of our show. We're hitting right at an hour. Perfection didn't go over this time. So once again, thank you guys so much for listening. And please make sure you are following us on all of our platforms. Twitter, I'm at CFF underscore Jared. He is at CFF underscore Xavier. Make sure you're following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leaving those five-star reviews whenever you can. We love reading those as um, and again, on Twitter and everything, make sure you're text, or DMing us, adding us for all your uh, CFF questions. We love hearing from you guys. We love answering your questions best that we can. And then on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're um, commenting down below, whether that's just telling us we're doing a good job, whether it's saying, hey, rather you change this format up a little bit. We love suggestions. As you've been kind of seeing, I've been trying to incorporate like little small suggestions that you guys have been giving me for the show, especially in the graphics or just the show in general in terms of how we talk about things. You'll notice this week with over-unders, I try to emphasize sleepers a little bit more in a lot of these over-under games because that's what you guys asked for. We want to hear from you guys. So with all that being said, Xavier, do you have anything else before we head out? No, I think you touched on everything. Um, yeah, like Jared said, follow us on all uh, you know social media platforms, mainly our, primarily our Twitters at CFF underscore Jared, at CFF underscore Xavier, and I hope you all have a good night. and. Uh, be on the lookout for the Kings Classic League uh, on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Thursday or Friday? Uh, probably record Thursday, put it out on Friday. Okay, then, yeah. Be on the lookout on Friday. So, yeah. Y'all have a blessed day. See ya.